the Gamsat podcast. Today is the mailbag. I'm Tom. I'm one of the lead tutors over at Fraser's Gamsat and I'll be standing in for Scott this week for the first inaugural episode of the mailbag. We will always put uh, an opportunity for people to send in their questions on Instagram, email, on Facebook. You can comment on the posts that we share and we'll answer all your questions in this episode. I guess for this episode, we want to do a sort of a, I guess, a special, um, a special look into Gamzat scores because we got a few different questions this week about sort of how the percentiles work, how the medium works, why does everyone think I should get 70 and sort of what you should be expecting in your in your preparation and in your results this year and what you actually need to do well. Um, I think a lot of this requires a bit of an understanding in maths, which is lucky because obviously obviously that's one of my um, my key areas. So I, I majored in maths in my undergraduate degree. And I think the thing that's especially hard looking at the scores between years is that people often find it difficult to, I guess, to understand sort of comparing scores between different sits, how that's likely to affect whether or not you get into university um, and sort of, I guess, people flail because you you sort of don't really have any other inputs or anyone else to um, estimate your scores off of. I mean, there are rules of thumb that you can use and we'll talk about, but ultimately, you sort of just got to prepare, do your best, and then hope that your score gets you in. But for people who are pre-medical, we're often quite controlling types and we want to be able to plan and map and know what scores we have to achieve and set goals. And those things are really important objectively. So, yeah, look, I, I can understand basically why people really want to know about GAMSAT scores. So, let's talk about GAMSAT scores and how they work. So... ACER does a normal distribution of all the students' performance or results um, in a given sit. So, for instance, if the highest mark on Section 3 is 100 out of 110, then that person would be ranked 1 out of however many that sat that year. And that person, by definition, is the highest score. Now, some people would think that means they get 100 out of 100 or something like that, but that's not how it works, right? A normal distribution is is a spread, um, sort of like a bell curve of marks. And the actual number that you get, whether you get 58 or 70 or 40 or 100, depends on how spread the group is. It also depends where the median is set. It also depends on um, sort of the strength of the cohort and how many people are sitting because year to year, ASA has to make sure that the four most recent sits are all comparable. So if I sit in March 2017 and I sit in March 2018, they have to be a as close to equivalent as possible, at least ASA will attempt using some regressions and things to determine um, a sort of fair comparison. So that's why medians go up and down and your percentile may change. So you may rank, you know, top 1% on a certain sit and then you may rank top 10% on a different sit. But those rankings don't really matter. It's actually the score, the number, right? The 50 or the 60. Because when you apply, the schools don't look at the percentile, they look at the score. Because the score is the thing that has been compared across all these different sits to be comparable. So going back to this normal distribution, 
Most years, the median previously, sort of since its inception, the median has roughly always sat around 58 to 60. So if you look at different GAMSAT companies, you'll see that they'll have their scores, you know, always centered around that and they'll make their percentile calculations based on that number. Now, in the last two sits, that median has steadily gone down. So I'm talking about September 2018 and I'm talking about March 2018 as well. So the median from March 2018 was roughly sort of 56 to 57. This is reading off student performance curves. So if you look at the curve that ACER gives you with your score, you'll, you can read off where the 50 percentile is. That's the median, the middle mark. In September, it was even lower. It was closer to sort of 55-ish, 54 and a half, that kind of range. Now, the exact number doesn't matter, but the important thing is that the median is moving down. So, students, the middle student is scoring a 55 as opposed to a 58, 59. Now, we can do lots of different maths on these scores um, and look at sort of the standard deviation and a couple other things, but basically, it means that getting a 70 four years ago was a reasonable marker. It was a reasonable line in the sand because it was about sort of a standard deviation and a half away. So that puts you in sort of the top 20-ish percent of students if you scored a 70. Now with the new median, that a score of 70 is exceptional. It, it's it's almost so high that it, it no longer, it, it's no longer possible that medical interview sorry medical interviews would only be for people who are 70 or higher because there practically can't be enough students to score that high because it's so um such a high ranking that you have to get to get that score we'll we'll have a uh, very detailed sort of blog post on the website that I'll link into this to this episode. But I guess for the point of discussion, it's not no longer important for students to aim for 70 and it's unrealistic. So we'll be updating the scores portion of our website very soon with all the numbers that we've got from September and this March. But I guess our, our averages have definitely gone down a little bit. Um, but I think that goes for everyone, right? So having an average score of 70 is pretty much impossible now. Um, and I think people's expectations need to change accordingly. So you'll find that a lot of um, sort of paging doctor and other, other forums are no longer accurate because the people that sat the GAMSAT during those times um, aren't aware of the median changes. So when you look at your GAMSAT studies, you need to be a bit more reasonable about what your targets are. Maybe the new 70 is a 65. Um, and I guess the most important thing is for you applying to schools, what, what is the actual result of that shift in the medium? So I was having a discussion with a lot of the interview students that we had last year. Um, and there was, as I said, there's four scores that are sort of valid for any given application point. So for this year, for people applying, say, um, sort of that June, July, 2018, you've got March, 2018, September, 2017, March, 2017, and September, 2016. So all of those test scores are uh, still valid for that, that uh, application point. 
And if you look at the medians of all those exams, um, they're all sort of roughly still around that sort of 57, 58. They move a little bit, but they're still on that higher end of things. And then the most recent March dropped down to that sort of 56, 57. So it's quite a significant drop. You know, a mean score dropping by two has a quite dramatic effect on the higher percentiles as well because it doesn't like it moves the curve um, downwards and that has a significant impact so looking at that application point you've got one test that has a lowish median and then three they're at that higher median so in a pure statistics let's say exactly in the same number of students sat every test and exactly the same number of students from every one of those tests were applying then You'd, you'd expect that sort of the shift would have a 25% or one in four effect on the scores. What I mean by that is you expect, let's say, Melbourne University needs a 70. Let's ignore GPAs for a second. Then the the score will move down by, yeah, like a, a tiny percentage, maybe like 60, 69 or 68. Um, and that's roughly what we saw. So, Again, I'll put a link to the infographic we made of all the entrance scores from the year before. But we've definitely seen that the scores have moved down this year slightly compared to previous years. Um, but going into this application cycle, we're now going to have March 2017, September 2017, March 2018, September 2018, um, and March 2019, whatever it ends up being, like all of these seats have now had a lower median. So instead of there being lots of students still with a 70 plus from their old sitting, a lot of that stuff will have expired. So I'm actually expecting that most universities will see their scores move down by the same amount as the median roughly. So most entrance scores will move down by two or three. That's, that's one possibility. The other possibility, which I can't tell you because I don't know how many students sat 2017 or 2018 as a whole, is that there are actually more students. So Acer is moving the median down because there are more students sitting the GAMSAT each year. And that means that they have an allotted amount of students that can get, say, 70 or above. And so the median score moves down so that the curve keeps giving you the same number of 70 plus. But at least from our experience and, and sort of feeling out how many students there are sitting, um, it, I don't think it's that likely that that that's the case. I, I think it's more likely that students with slightly lower scores will, will start to become more more competitive. Um, and that's what, what I hope at least. Um, so I guess reviewing where we got up to so far, medians have been moving down, which means that the higher scores are harder to get. And it's no longer the case that if you don't get a 70 or higher, that's a bust. Because looking at the numbers from a sort of mathematical point of view, um, it's there are 1,800 medical student spots. And looking at where the median is, there can't be 1,800 people get a 70 or more just because of where the median is. It has to be you know less than 1,000. So that means the scores from 65 up there's enough students in that pool to be interviewed. So I'm expecting that that medical entrance scores will go down a little bit this year. Okay. That doesn't necessarily change how you approach things, but it does change your expectations. So you should be thinking about 65 as your target. And when I say 65, I mean overall. So across section one, section two, section three. Okay. 
on to the next question we had. So we had a question about section one. Um, so someone said that they had a shooter who had scored 85 in section one and they wanted to know, um, would that be the highest score that, that I'd ever heard of? Now, I'm, I'm not doubting the veracity of, of that tutor's statement, but I want to give you a mathematical case to say that it's almost impossible to get higher than sort of mid-70s in section one, okay? So, and sorry about all the noise in the background, just a uh, hot, hot mess of, of tutoring at the Fraser's HQ. Um, so, section one. Most people listening to the podcast, I assume, will be doing or have sat a section one before. So it's out of 75. You'll find the average for most students is sort of around 38 to 40, 42. Um, that's based on our mock exams that we've done in-house over many years. That's sort of where it evens out to. So the most brilliant students in section one, and and again, having tutored for five, five six years, we have the advantage of data. So with the same exam, Roughly each year, with obviously we make edits to improve it, but the highest score we'd ever seen was around a 62, 63 out of 75. And, and that's it. That was about five marks away from the nearest person. So what I mean is the highest, the next highest person had scored 57 out of 75 and then the sort of curve got bunched up from there onwards. So lots of 56s, 55s, 54s, et cetera, et cetera, with the median being about 40. Now, if you... and Trust me, you can. If you in Excel go and do that standard deviation and put that 62 in and put the next highest at 50 and the median at 40 and you work out all the maths, which I can and have, you still get that person scoring like 74 as an average, as, as their GAMSAT score for that section. Because the way that score is generated is by standard deviation. So you to get a 100 or an 80, you have to be extremely far away from the median, right? Very far from other students. But that's not possible in section one because it's not possible to get a 70 out of 75. These questions are extremely gray, extremely difficult to answer. So to actually get a score of that that magnitude is near on impossible. Um, and that's why I think for section one, especially people need to understand that anyone who gets 60 or higher, but specifically 65 or higher has done excellently in that section. The highest score we've ever seen in section one was I think a 76 or a 78. I can't remember exactly in house. Um, and obviously we hired them as tutors and taught, you know, got them to look through our questions and, and sort of see how well they actually performed. And they still perform at that sort of 60 out of 75 range. Um, so I guess for section one, the moral of the story is it's not really possible to get higher than 80. You can send me transcripts, send us emails at info.phrasesgabsat.com.au with your 80 plus section one and, and prove me wrong. Otherwise, I think most students, it's the max case for a section one is 70. That's the max, right? If you're getting 70, 70 plus, that, that's amazing. And the reason I say this is because when I have discussions with students that are joining our course um, or just in early conversations about how, how score, scores work, I, I hear people often say, oh, I'm going to get 70 plus section one, 70 plus section two, 70 plus section three. So, you know, the people that have scored the highest um, ever, you know, I scored 84 and a couple of others scored 85. They're, the scores that I had was a 70-odd in section one, 80-ish 80, 80 in section two, and 100 in section three. And 
um, it's not about tooting my own horn, but they're like, that's, that's pretty close to a max case, right? The highest scores we see in section two are 80 plus the highest scores we see in section one are 70 plus and the highest scores we see in section three are 90 plus because in section three, especially it's out of 110 and it is possible to get a hundred out of 110, but the median is still 50 odd out of 110 so you're 50 marks away from the median which is a huge number of standard deviations and that pushes you to a score of 100 for section one the median is probably 40 and the highest possible mark is 60 so you're only 20 marks away from the median and so it's all stacked together and squished together more so the highest you can possibly get is 70 okay so that's another sort of fallacy debunked hopefully so the highest scores you can get in section one are probably a ceiling of 80 but you can prove me wrong send us emails or messages the next question i got about scores was about gamsat scores and gpas how do they work together what's this combined score thing how does how do medical schools actually work out who to accept now I want to make this just eminently clear. This is like a real pain point for me. The combined score does not exist. It is not something that is mentioned anywhere in the process. It's not mentioned in GEMSAS. It's not mentioned on the ACER book. It's not mentioned in interview websites. It's not mentioned, okay? This combined score was created in a blog post by a company that will will not be named. Um, and because of the simplicity of it, you know, I just add my scores together. So I divide my GAMSAT by 100, you know, so if I get 70 on the GAMSAT overall, that's 70 divided by 100. And then I add it to my GPA divided by seven. And then I get this 1.5 thing. The reason it caught on was because it's a decimal, okay? It's like an easy thing to measure. I'm a 1.5, what are you a 1.3? It's very tangible. People can compare and contrast. But fundamentally does not exist, okay? I'm not saying it's not possible. It's possible that some of the universities use this. Maybe maybe there's inside contacts that I'm not aware of. But but it, it just doesn't make sense why this would be the case. So if I want to evenly weight GAMSAT and GPA, the way that you do that in a sorting algorithm, again, going back to maths, is you rank GAMSAT. So if I got 84, I'll be ranked one and then everyone gets ranked down to the lowest score. GPA, if I get 6.5 and someone else gets seven, seven at the top of the list and then you put them all the way at the bottom. Now, the different ways to do it, but the way to visualize it is if I'm ranked 84, then I get one, right? That's what I get. I'm ranked one, that's my number one. And GPA, if I'm ranked 50, then I get number 50. So my combined rank, if you add them together, is 51. The best rank you could possibly have is if you're both one. So one and one, you add it together, it's two. If and so forth. You know, if I'm first in GAMSAT, second in GPA, one plus two, that's three. So it's kind of like the reverse. The higher the score, the worse your rank because you rank, you know, in the thousands. You got thousand plus. Um, and then using that combined score, I've now re-rank everyone. So the people with the highest combined ranking go to the top, and then you rank everyone at the bottom, and you offer interviews to the people that you want to. And if you want to do bonuses and other things like Deakin um, or other universities like PhDs for ANU, then you do multiply that rankage by 0.05% and you re-rank or whatever it is, 5% and you re-rank. That is fundamentally how it works, okay? I, I can't stress this enough. That is how it has to work. If they weight it in different ways, you can just weight those ranking combined scores in different ways and it checks out. That is how it works. The reason people don't think of it in that way is because it's hard to think about lists in your head. You can't hold on to a tangible decimal and compare and contrast. Because if you're dividing a GAMSAT score out of 70, you're devaluing it. No one can get a 
sorry, if you're dividing your GAMSET score by 100, you're devaluing it. No one can get a GAMSET score of 100, right? But people do get GPAs of 7. So the highest GPA you can get in the combined scores is a 1. 7 divided by 7 is 1, right? The highest GAMSET you could get in, in this combined score, let's say the highest is mine, right? 84, 85. Let's say 80 is reasonable as a max. Then that's 0.8. So now you're valuing GPA 20% more than GAMSET. It's not 50-50 it's now sort of three to two, the ratio. Now, I don't want you to get caught up in the maths, but I just want you to realize the forest for the trees, okay? The combined score does not exist. I know that's dropping a bomb, that's a hot take, but it is what it is. Combined scores do not exist. You get ranked in lists. The sorting algorithm ranks everyone highest with a combined ranking. They add in all the different weightings and other things. And then ultimately at the end of the day, you get your interview offer or not. That doesn't change what you have to do, right? You still have to score as well as possible in the GAMSAT and do as well as possible in the GPA. But it, it just it's just a bit frustrating how things can catch on when there's no evidence or proof that, that that's the way it works okay so don't always believe everything you read or hear as well and i'm not saying i'm all-knowing or I'm, I'm right or wrong um but i i can say with some confidence that after tutoring for five to six years um I have a good sense of how these things work. We have data, right? So I, you know, we interview train hundreds of students. We know roughly what they score on their GAMSAT and their GPAs are because that helps us give good advice. And I know that your GAMSAT is equally weighted to your GPA because we have students who had a GPA of seven. And if you do their combined scores, it doesn't make sense. The person with a higher combined score didn't get an interview. And then someone with a lower combined score did get an interview. You know what the answer is? The combined score isn't a thing and they've just ranked them. And on the rankings, which we will never be able to see, and that's why it doesn't catch on, then the student with the lower combined score actually ranked higher because their GAMSAT was higher. But when you do the calculation, it devalued it, okay? So, reviewing, basically, unfortunately, for GAMSAT and GPA for the, the schools, they do it based on rankings. And that makes it annoying and hard for you to tangibly know where you are. But again, have a look at the infographic that's attached below this episode if you look on the website or look in the show notes and, and click through to see it. Um, you can see roughly what the scores are for the universities and roughly sort of aim your targets there. But remember, I'm predicting that some of the median scores will move down a little bit um, for the GAMSAT side of things at least. All right. So those were the main questions about GAMSAT scores. We covered medians and how they're shifting in 2018 going into 2019. We talked about section one scores. We talked about sort of max cases for each of the sections. And we also talked about this combined score preferencing machine thing and how it all works. Um, I guess the last thing I want to say is often people really want to know what, what should I score in each section as an aim? So I think a good aim for section one is 45 to 50, say 50 out of 75 in section one or above is a really, really good score. And for section three, roughly what you score out of 110 is what your actual GAMSAT ends up being, okay? So the median is say 50 out of 110, 55 out of 110. Roughly speaking, if you get 55 out of 110, 
your GAMSA score ends up being about 55. It stretches out at the ends. So if you get 70 out of 110, your GAMSA score is probably about 65. If you get 80 out of 110, your GAMSA score is probably 70 plus, right? And on the reason I say this is we use the median and standard deviation ACE does on our mock exams over hundreds of students and we see that it's roughly a linear relationship. For section one, there's no real good equivalent, but you can roughly add 10 to whatever you score. So if you score 40 out of 75, you add 10, it's about 50. That's about right. Maybe even 10 to 15. If you score 60 out of 75, which we said was crazy high, then you add 15, it's about 75, which is the highest score you could possibly get. Okay, so rough targets, 50 and for section three, I guess that makes your target 70, 60 to 70 out of 110. Um, all right, so thank you so much for listening to this first mailbag. Uh, it's a special episode just by me on my gripes about GAMSAT scores. I hope this informed you. If you're watching on the website, look through all the different stuff we talk about scores. We wrote an updated 2018 version of this GAMSAT score equation um, that is a much more accurate and truthful version than some of the other things that are out there. Um, you can look forward to a episode of task C coming this week. What do you think of the name task C task A task B? It's a section two podcast with Alex who will talk a science person through a brilliant idea that you can use in your section two essays. And we'll have another episode of keeping it 100 with a couple of our other high performing tutors and students from last year. So you can learn more. If you haven't listened to the first episode, I highly recommend it. It was the first one we ever did with Josh Zhang and he got scored 98 in the most recent GAMSAT and we talk about section three and how to balance theory and reasoning um, and we'll continue to do the show with a, with a high frequency going forward. This is a lot of interest so we hope this is filling a gap for you. All right, everyone. Thanks so much. Look forward to hearing from you next time. This was the GAMSAT podcast brought to you by Fraser's GAMSAT. Thanks. I'm Tom. See ya.